0: Please turn your Bibles with me again to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We have been parked in this chapter, specifically in this this set of verses, for the last several weeks. We are in the midst of a series titled, The Weapons of of Spiritual Warfare. Um, We've identified, as we're about to read, that we are engaged in a spiritual fight, but not against physical forces, but against a spiritual enemy. And our ability to overcome this spiritual enemy will predicate on our willingness to appropriate spiritual tools, resources that God has made available to you and I, so that we can overcome the enemy, not in our own strength, power, or might, but through the power that God gives. And I want you to hear what Paul begins to say in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle. Everybody say our struggle. Our struggle, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And in verse 15, Paul says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So the last several weeks, we've established three essential Principles that you and I need to keep in mind as we consider this spiritual fight that the Bible says you and I are engaged in. Number one, that every believer, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, every believer should seek to engage and to encounter and to counter the evil influence of these spiritual forces. Paul says that we are in a spiritual fight and these spiritual forces are working overtime to exert their influence on the world. We've seen this since the beginning, when the Bible says in the garden, God created Adam and Eve, and He put them in this beautiful place, and He gave them access to everything they could ever want. And yet the Bible says that the God gave them one simple instruction, that there was a tree in that garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were not to eat from, because if they did so, they would die. And the Bible says that Satan came to Adam and Eve, and he suggested to them that maybe God was mistaken in what he meant, that they were not really going to die, but they were actually going to become like God. And Satan painted this picture in Adam and Eve's minds that somehow God was holding out on them, even though God had given access to everything they could ever want in this garden. But that because God said no to this one thing, that it meant God was holding out on them. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit and their eyes were immediately open and they recognized that they had done something wrong. And in that moment, the Bible says sin entered into our world. And eventually they were they were kicked out of this garden because 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 God God's desire was that they would not having now eaten of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil now also have access to the tree of life and they were kicked out of the garden but but I'm grateful friends that God didn't simply kick humanity out of the He didn't simply kick Adam and Eve out of the garden or turn his back to humanity but that God began this initiated this process to redeem humanity and he would ultimately do that through his son Jesus Christ who. Though he was tempted, just as you and I are tempted, to sin, never gave him to sin. And because of that, he became for us that, that perfect sacrifice that would take our place on the cross. So that through Christ, you and I are not only forgiven of sin, but the Bible says you and I are now sons and daughters of God. That you and I have this confidence that one day when this life is over, And I close my eyes to this life, that I will open my eyes to my Savior and I will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that that this, this rest that I will enter into is an eternal rest. I will never have to worry about all of the things that we have to deal with in this life. The things that frustrate us and the things that cause us anxiety and cause us pain and cause us heartache. That when I'm in the presence of my Savior, I will be fully free. And we have something to look forward to. A great hope to look forward to. But while we are still in this life, we are dealing with influences and forces that are trying to not only exert its own way on the world, but also on us. I've said this before. Satan doesn't just look at you and I and say, well, because you're a Christian now, well, that means you're off limits. No, he comes after us even more harder. Why? Because his desire is always to discredit God. And if he can discredit God by coming through, we who are called by his name, he will do it. And he continues to try to discredit God through his influence in in the lives of believers. We're the ones that have to be watchful. We're the ones that have to be mindful. We're the ones that have to be prepared spiritually to engage the enemy. So that when he comes at us, friends, he is the one that's running with his tail between his legs. Because God has given us victory over the enemy. Now, whether or not we exercise those tools is up to us. Pastor Earl, our our late former senior pastor, used to say, God is a gentleman. He will never force himself on you. He will never force his will on you. He will express his will to you. He will express the opportunity that he makes to you and I to follow him and to embrace him and and to experience the life that only he can make possible. But he will never force us to choose him. He wants it to be a willing choice. He wants it to be a loving choice. And yet we're grateful this morning in the on the reality that god has given us resources that you and i can employ to engage this spiritual enemy not only that every believer friends by depending on christ has access to tools that are needed to defeat spiritual evil and so this morning i want to deal with um what i've titled today's message the believer's posture and i'm focusing specifically on verse 15 because what we've been doing the last few weeks is identifying these different tools that Paul says make up what he calls this full armor or the, of God that you and I are to put on as believers. Now, it's not a physical armor. It's actually not, you know, garments we put on ourselves or clothing we put on. These are spiritual, spiritual tools that God has made available to us. And in and, and the first week, we talked, about, we talked about what Paul says is the belt of truth, that the belt of truth represents God's Word, God's truth. It is truth that is meant to prepare us It is truth that's meant to to help us to be aware of the enemy's schemes so that we're not caught off guard or we're not not easily deceived. Can I tell you that there are a lot of believers who are walking in deception today? Why? Because they are not hiding the word in their hearts. The, The psalmist said, The word have I hidden in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. He made it clear that the only guard and defense against the enemy's lies, the enemy's deception is the truth of God's word. And yet there are many believers who are walking in deception today and it's not because God has not made His Word available to them. It's because we have not availed ourselves of the Word. And we're not walking in the power of the Word. We're not walking in obedience to the Word. Last week we talked about the fact that obedience protects us. Paul talked about not only putting on this belt of truth, but we're to put on what he calls this breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. But we all understand this morning that the Gospel teaches us that righteousness is not by our own effort. Yes? We are not made right with God because we are good people or because we do good or because our good, our ways are bad. We are righteous. Why? Because we have taken on the identity of Christ. We've taken on what Jesus did on the cross and we identify that what he did on that cross, he did in my place. That I'm the one that should have been on that cross. I'm the one that should be punished for my sins and yet Jesus took my punishment. Why? So that by dying on the cross, he might satisfy God's righteous requirements so that when I go to God, I'm not going to God expecting that somehow my good will outweigh my bad and that he will see that as enough to accept me into his family. But that I put on Christ and I say, God, I recognize what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me. And that it was sufficient to pay for my sin. But not only that, not only am I seeking forgiveness, but God, I'm seeking, I'm seeking for my life to be transformed. For my life to be changed. And that will only happen through knowing Christ and walking with Christ. And one of the things Jesus made clear throughout his ministry is this. He said, the the way we show that we love him is by obeying his word. The way that we show that we truly are committed to him, devoted to him, is by doing what he asks us to do. And we discovered last week that in, in obeying him, that we're actually protecting ourselves. From the attack of the enemy just as the breastplate is meant to protect our vital organs our chest from any any outside uh, or, or external um, um uh, force or or evil or attack in the same way obedience protects us because we are fortified by our dependence on the truth that has been set before us today i want to talk to you about posture paul talks about um, having feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace He's dealt with preparation. He's dealt with protection. Now, Paul is dealing with the believer's posture. And in verse 15, he says, And make sure that your feet are fitted. Everybody say, Fitted. How many of you ever wore shoes that were like one size too big? Or two or three sizes too big? I mean, were you comfortable? No. Right? I mean you probably found yourself maybe tripping all over the place because you just you you, you you want shoes that are fitted there's a reason why if you need shoes you go to a shoe store and you actually buy the shoes right you try the shoes on I mean, I know that nowadays you can buy your shoes on Amazon, but I actually tried that a few weeks ago. I figured, well, let me just buy some shoes. I saw there was a good sale on Amazon, so I bought the shoes, and, and it said, well, what size do you want? I think, of, well, I mean, some of my shoes are, you know, size this, and other shoes are size this. Let me just try this size. And, and I was looking forward to those shoes coming in so I could try them on, and, and the shoes arrived. I put my feet in them. I'm like, oh, my goodness. does not fit. I was like, dude, you should have just gone to the store. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, the convenience you were hoping to gain by, by buying online, you would, have, you would have saved all that time and energy by just going into a store and picking the shoe you wanted. So I had to go through the trouble of sending the shoe back. And of course, when I tried to get a replacement, they told me, it's gonna take you two weeks for you to get them. I'm like, oh, you know, don't worry, just keep your shoes. But, but, but the thing is, we all know what it's like to wear shoes that are not fitted and they're uncomfortable, right? Even probably worse is wearing shoes that are tight. Shoes that you can't even get your foot into, right? And you're trying to force it, and you, you're just about ready to rip the shoe in half, right? Just because you're trying to fit your shoe in, your foot in the shoe. Every one of us prefer to wear shoes that are fitted, right? That grips our feet, but not too tightly. And we feel comfortable. We can move, and we can run, and we can do whatever we need to do in these shoes. Paul paints for us, you and I, for this picture of shoes that we're to put on, spiritual shoes that we're to put on so that we might be positioned, to engage the enemy because up until this point he's been dealing with defense he's been dealing with how we respond to the attack of the enemy but then now he paints this picture for us of our response to the enemy and he describes these shoes or he compares these shoes with a readiness that he talks about that he says comes from the gospel of peace here's one of the things that I've learned as I've studied this this this, this series over these last several weeks and especially this verse over this last week as I was preparing today's message. The reality is this, because you and I are in Christ, because you and I are followers of Jesus, there is a positioning that you and I experience because we are in Christ. That positioning first happens, scripture says, when everyone comes to Christ, he is a new creation. She's a new creation. Paul says the old things are passed away, all things become new. But then there's another aspect of our position in, in Christ, and it's this Jesus not only saves us so that he might, he, might, he might make us his own, but he's also called us to do his work. Remember what he told the disciples before he went back to heaven? He said, All authority on earth is given to me. So I want you to go forth and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave the disciples an assignment and by default he has given us an assignment. So there are two parts of our calling in Christ. It is not only that you and I are sons and daughters of God but that also you and I are called to be his witnesses. We are called to be his servants. In every arena of life Jesus must be seen in us. So we need to understand this morning friends that because you are in Christ, the call of God has positioned you to be a witness for Christ. In other words, it's as if because you follow Jesus, you've been automatically enlisted in his army. It's not an option. To say, well, Jesus, I'm just going to let the pastors do the preaching. I'm going to let the pastors do the witnessing. I'm going to let the evangelists do the witnessing. I'm going to let that sister or that brother that's really bold and they're really, they know how to engage people in conversations and talk about Jesus and, and win people to Christ. I'm going to let them handle that. No, that's not really my thing. No, you are, friend, enlisted in God's army because of the call that he has placed on your life. And the call he has placed on all of our lives positions us to be witnesses for Christ. Here's the point I want to make this morning. An encounter with the gospel. And every one of us, if you are in Christ, you had an encounter with the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. An encounter with the gospel equips us to share Jesus with others. It equips us to share Jesus with others. It's not that God has called you and you're having to go figure out how you're going to do this and you're hoping that maybe you have what it takes. No, friend, that what came with that call to follow Christ is also the equipping to also share Christ with others. In Second Corinthians 5, verse 18 to verse 20, the scripture says, salvation is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us Again, listen to this. He gave us. Everybody say us. That's us. You and me. And everyone that's a part of the universal church. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though, Paul says, God were making an appeal through us. The fact of the matter is, Paul is saying because you and I are in Christ, God has not only reconciled us to to himself through Christ, but he has now entrusted to each one of us this message of reconciliation, every one of us. There is not one of us that is excluded from this ministry. God has called us to this ministry. He has committed to us this message, and He wants us to be His ambassadors so that, as it were, through our lives, through our words, through our actions, through our lifestyle, we are proclaiming Christ to a watching world. How else is the world going to know who Christ is or the reality of what He came to do if they don't see it first lived in our lives? I, I mentioned this several weeks ago. We are not just simply called to. to to experience the gospel we're called to also display the gospel and so this morning i want to share with you what it means to be positioned to fulfill god's call in our lives what is the believer's posture there are three things about the gospel that i want to share with you this morning very quickly that 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 position us to also now be ambassadors or witnesses of christ and the first thing is this that through the gospel we learn to fully depend on christ through the gospel, we are positioned to be witnesses for Christ because in the gospel, we learn how to fully depend on Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, Paul says, that, he explains to us that the Bible teaches you and I that our freedom and our forgiveness are the result of being delivered from the, are the result of us placing our trace in the sufficiency of Christ's death on the cross for us we've experienced something called conversion when we came to Christ we were changed yes we were we were our, our old self that self that is loyal to sin loyal to or or that that, that is that is um, um, uh, shackled to sin and is, 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 is sees no way out of sin that old us is gone and, and the new us the new nature that we are given is given to us because we've placed our trust in the sufficiency of Christ. The Bible says that you and I experience a conversion that is necessary before you and I can then now begin to walk in the capacity that God has called us as his witnesses. So when you consider that the Bible says freedom and forgiveness from the power and penalty of sin come because we placed our trust in the sufficiency of Christ for us on the cross, then you now see in the Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 5, Paul making this argument then that our ability, friends, to preach the gospel, our ability to share Christ, our ability to be witnesses for Christ, uh, to declare what he has done, what he has done in our lives, but what he can also do in the lives of our friends and our neighbors and our family is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Why? Because we are dependent on him. Paul, as much as we can celebrate Paul for who he was and the things he accomplished for God, friend, can I tell you this? Paul was a man who would never ever try to take credit for himself what he knew God was responsible for. He told them that, listen, when I came to you with the gospel, I didn't come just with with convincing words. I didn't come with great oratory, great speech. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't flatter you with words. I came in the power of the, uh, the authority that, that God gave me. I was fully dependent on Him to minister to you the message he entrusted to me. And if we can see Paul accomplish what he accomplished because he was fully dependent on God friend, then what is is it that God cannot do through you and me today? What is it that God cannot do through you and I in our jobs, what is it that God cannot do through you and I in our schools, what is it that God cannot do through you and I in our communities, in our families, in our circle of friends. What is it that God cannot do through us if you and I are fully dependent on Him? Paul is saying to you and I, The call that God has placed on our lives has positioned us to now be witnesses of Christ. Why? Because this gospel teaches us how to depend fully on God. Are you dependent on God today? Every single day as you're you're living for the Lord, as you're engaging the world, are you dependent on God? Are you leaning on Him? Are you asking Him, God, give me wisdom today. God, give me strength today. God, give me direction today. I don't want to just do what I think I should do. God, I want to do what you want me to do. And the reality is, we're not always going to get it right. We're not going to get it 100% of the time. But there has to be a longing in our hearts and a desire to be submitted to our Father and say, Father, I truly, totally want to depend on you throughout this this, this journey called life. But not only that, not only does the gospel um, teach us to fully depend on the Lord, but the gospel also helps you and I to become visible displays of the power of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 9, Paul commends the Christians that were living in Thessalonica and he was commending them because they were allowing the gospel to be displayed. Everybody say displayed. Displayed through their life. I want you to hear what he says because, because I could have summarized it for you but I think you need to hear what Paul says because, because the potential that, he, that what, what he speaks to here is, the, is something that you and I have the potential for. In verse 5 he says, For we brought the good news to you Not with words alone, but with power and with the Holy Spirit and with complete conviction of its truth. You know how we lived when we were with you. It was for your own good. And so you imitated us. So Paul says, when we came to you, we didn't just talk of good talk, right? We lived out the things we were teaching. We, we we lived out this power, the power of this gospel that had changed our lives that we're not talking to you about. And you saw us and you imitated us, Paul says, and you imitated Christ. And even though you suffered much, you received this message with the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so now having received, you received this message, you saw our example, you imitated us. Now here's where Paul goes in verse. 7. So you then became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only did the message about the Lord go out from you throughout Macedonia and Achaia, but the news about your faith in God has gone everywhere. There is nothing then that we need to say. Paul said, listen, the reality is, is that your lifestyle, your display of the gospel is enough to describe this this great power that we, that we are submitted to i don't need to say anything else so the reality is is that when we when we when we say you know that there's the, a the saying a picture a picture says a thousand words friends our life our life says more to the world than what we simply say out of our lips we can claim be followers of christ all we want but realize that the word is watching And they're not going to hold on to so much as to what you say as much as they want to see how you live in. And and it is important that we as believers be committed to living out the truth. To not just being hearers of the word but being doers of the word because it is in the doing that we are displaying God's power. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, all those people speak about how you received us when we visited you and how you turned away from idols to God to serve the true and living God. Paul was basically saying to the church in Thessalonica and and the Bible is saying to you and I today that you and I have an opportunity to be living displays of the power of God to save the power of God to deliver the power of God to transform the power of God to set free God wants you and I to realize that because he has called us he has equipped us to be witnesses of Christ. Why? Because people need to see what Christ has done in my life. Here's the thing, friends. Because Jesus has changed my life does not mean that there's still not more change that still needs to take place. I am a work in progress, friends. I am a work in progress. I remember years ago, my son Timmy asked me when he was much younger, it was a question, I remember the exact way he asked, but it was a question that suggested that because I was a pastor, they didn't mean that I was perfect. And I looked at my son and said, Son, I am not perfect. He <laughs> said, so Just because I'm a pastor does not mean I'm perfect. I mean, if you got the impression that pastors are perfect, no. Some of the most imperfect people are preachers. And I'm just being honest. Some of the most imperfect people are preachers. And it's not because we are seeking to live a double life or that we are we, see, we, we, see, we, we are comfortable with, with, with hypocrisy. But the reality is, is, we need to always remember that we are a work in progress, right? All of us are a work in progress and there has to be that constant desire for god to work in us now i mean aren't you grateful that god doesn't say i'm going to wait till you're perfect before i can use you i mean he'd be waiting forever (laughs) i mean i mean he'd probably be waiting till i die i mean that's that's because i I can't i can't experience perfection until i'm i'm changed yes but but in this life god doesn't say i'm going to wait till you're perfect even when you're a day old in your faith god can take a day-old believer who is committed to living for him, walking in obedience to him, and God can take that day-old believer, and God can do a, God can accomplish incredible things through that day-old believer. It, 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 it hinges on the willingness of the individual to say, God, use me, because you position me to be a witness for you. And here's the last thing that the gospel helps us to, to put, the last way the gospel positions us in is this, that through the gospel we discover hope that is worth sharing. In First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, Paul says that we are. Excuse me, Peter says that we are to be ready to speak up and to tell anyone who asks why we are living the way we are, and always with the utmost courtesy. The reality is, is that that question about why we are, who we are, why we have put our faith and trust in Christ, is a question that doesn't always come in the form of words. It's a question that comes sometimes just by simple observation so it's, it's a question that comes by just people watching our lives watching our response to the things that happen to us watching our response to the circumstances that we're confronted with our witness is on not only with words our witness is also by how we live and we need to realize that when we came into Christ we discovered a hope that not only changed our lives but has the potential to change many other people's lives Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Why did he say that? Why did he use that phrase, not ashamed? He was referring to the fact that this gospel that I'm presenting to you, I am not embarrassed. I have no question or concern or doubt about the integrity of this gospel. Why? Because my life is a living witness to its power to change a person. Because Paul can tell you, I did all the things that I did to go against this gospel. I went against believers. I persecuted the church. I was an enemy of of, of Christ. I I vehemently went after Christians. And yet, God in his grace and mercy reached out to me. He picked me up. He saved me. He changed my life. And now here it is. I'm preaching about Jesus. And so Paul said, I'm not embarrassed about this gospel. Because I have a hope in this gospel that I've, I've not only discovered, but now I want everyone else to experience. Friends, listen to me. Jesus is coming back one day. And when he comes back, he's coming back looking for a church that is prepared to receive him. But we cannot only be concerned about our own selves. There are many who are lost, who are out there, that need hope. There are many who are dealing with all kinds of struggles and issues. And Satan is just beating them over and over and over telling them that God does not care about them. God does not love them, that they have no value, they have no meaning. And we have a hope that we've experienced. A hope that gives us joy, that gives us peace matter what we may be going through. And God says we need to offer that to them. Not 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 that not that because we share Christ that it means that all problems will disappear. That's not the not that's not what He's asked us to do. But what we're to do is let them know we are overcomers. Why? Because we've put our trust in God. You have a hope that is worth sharing. I'm reminded of that story in the Old Testament. Remember I'm not going to go into too much detail but scripture says that the enemy came against the people of Israel besieged them basically surrounded them where there was no food that was going in no 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 nobody could leave there was a famine it got so bad that people were eating their children just to survive and the scripture says that this enemy that was camped outside their 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 city gates God 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 met this enemy God, God visited this enemy and, and this enemy, the, the, these, these enemy, enemy soldiers disappeared and, and there were these group of lepers, these men who, were, who had the skin disease and, and they, were, they were not even supposed to be mingling with the rest of society because of their skin issues and they came upon this empty camp and they find all of this food and they find all of this treasure and spoil and they begin to eat and begin to enjoy themselves and then they realize wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're celebrating what we found, and yet we are right behind us is a city where people are literally dying. It would be wrong for us to not share with the city what we have found. And the scripture says they went back and they told the city, we have found deliverance. God has met us. And the Bible says that, that God brought deliverance to the, the people. God, God, brought, God brought sustenance to the people. In a spiritual sense, friends, we are those lepers. Our lives were wrapped with sin. Our lives were were, were messed up by sin. And and we found found a relationship with Christ that changed us. It changed our lives. And and, and along the way, we must not forget that, that behind us are our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors who do not yet have this hope. And they are dying. And it would be wrong for us to be so focused on ourselves that we ignore the ones who are behind us. Because here's the reality. You were once outside of Christ and somebody was a witness for Christ to you. They shared hope with you. They shared good news with you, and you came to find Jesus. What a privilege it is, friends, that you and I have that because we are engaged in this spiritual fight against the spiritual enemy, that God has given us the resources that you and I need to engage this enemy. But as we are engaging the enemy, we're not simply engaging him, but we're also engaging his influence in our culture. We're engaging his 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 the impression he's left on society. We are we're going after his victims. God has called you and I to be his witnesses and he has positioned us to be his witnesses. So every day I challenge you not only put on this belt of truth, allow the Word of God to be your guide, to be your, your, the, the, what shapes your mind, your worldview, your response to the world, but put on the breastplate of righteousness, Paul says. Um, it, it is not our righteousness or our own efforts at being good, but the righteousness of Christ that enables us to be able to do and to be who God has called us to be. But also remember that because you are in Christ, God has put you in a position, a position of authority, a position of influence to be a witness. And it's not a it's not an issue. Of, well, can I be a, an effective witness or can I be a good witness or God can you use me? No, God says, listen, I want to use you. I've called you, and my desire is to use you. And all he's simply asking of us is is to respond to him by saying, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Are you willing to allow God to use you? No matter what what circumstance, no matter what setting it may be, are you willing to allow God to use you? Because God wants to use you. And He has given you the tools you need to be an effective witness, to be a faithful witness. Here's the, th- here's the statement I'm going to leave with you and then we're going to pray. Your impact for Christ, friends, starts with appreciating the influence that He's had on your life. You need to start, imp- you need to start appreciating what He has done in you and see that what He's done in you, what He's doing in you is to pre- position you, to prepare you, to equip you for what He has called you to do. You cannot be a witness for Him on your own. You cannot offer to the world what you don't have. And because we have received so much by way of knowing Christ, friends, we have much to offer. What the world is watching. And there are people that need to know that Jesus loves them and that God wants to save them. And He's chosen to use you and I to make that message clear. Let's allow Him to use us. Let's be those bold warriors that God is working through to bring change in our world and to, as it were, overcome this spiritual enemy. Amen? I want to invite you to bow your heads to me in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. We've we've been talking these last several weeks about what it means to put on your armor, to be equipped with the tools and resources that you've made available to us so that we might be your witnesses. God, this spiritual enemy that we're called to fight against is not one we can fight in our own strength or power or our own abilities. God, we are We look to you and we depend on you fully, God, for the ability to overcome this spiritual enemy. But not only that, God, we're grateful that you have, because you've called us in Christ, that you've positioned us through the power of your Holy Spirit to be witnesses, Father. God, it is so easy for us to overlook the fact that you've called us to be your witnesses. We are so focused, Lord, on what we gain from you, what we get get out of this relationship with you, that we forget uh, Lord, you, you've also called us to a task, Father, of, of, of sharing this hope that we found in Jesus with those who do not have this hope. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities that are around us, Lord. Help us to be dependent on your Holy Spirit and our response to those opportunities that we are surrounded by. And God, I pray that you would use us. Perhaps there is that person, God, that we're, we're going to run into this week. That God, we're going to encounter this week and And they're just going to express, probably just in passing, how discouraged they may be, how overwhelmed with life they are. And and God, what an opportunity it is for us to let them know that you've promised that those that put their trust in you, God, you've made overcomers. No matter what we will go through. And that they can put their trust and faith in you. That we can, Father, by our... Our word, but also by our witness, our lifestyle, God, our lives, our choices, our decisions, God. Help others to see that, that, that knowing Christ, there is nothing greater than, than that. And that God, people who can come to faith in Jesus because of what they've seen you do in us. Help us to appreciate, Lord, the impact you've had in our lives. And to see that, Lord, that influence you've had in us has positioned us for impact on others. And use this, God, to bring glory to your name. God, I pray if there's anyone that is here that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or perhaps, Lord, by their own admission will say, God, I've not been walking with you and um, I've strayed from you. But God, I believe that my place belongs with you. And I, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I don't want to just know about you, but I truly want to know you personally. And I want you to transform my life. I want you to change me god i thank you that even now even now your spirit has been moving throughout today's service speaking to them and just reminding them that, that hope is found in you and that god they can find hope today by turning to you and in this moment i pray that for whomever that may be that god may be calling on you right now in the quietness of the heart saying god help me god help me i cannot do this for myself god i need you to help me I need you to help me, God. I, I want you to, to be in control of my life and of my affairs. I surrender all to you because I truly want to live for you. God, I thank you that you're responding to them, God, in their place of need today, God, in this moment, God. And God, you will. You've not only forgiven, but God, you will transform their lives. And that God, there will be a peace that they will find knowing that God, their lives are in their place. God, thank you today, God, for the opportunity that we all have to be able to be reminded, Lord, that we are who we are because of what Jesus did on the cross. And to embrace that call and to live out that call faithfully every day. We give you thanks this morning for the word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen.